everyone. Welcome to another episode of Through a Lens. I am Alex Heitz, your host of this solo cast where uh, I just talk about philosophy, theology, psychology, the human condition, everything. Pursuing objective truth is my goal, and um, I want to take everyone along for the ride, whether or not they consent. So you have no choice. Here we go. Today's episode is uh, on the subject of the age of the universe. Uh, and more specifically, why Christians shouldn't fear the debate on the age of the universe. So this is uh, going to be taken from this blog post I made, a very extensive blog post, so this might be a long long podcast episode, uh, from April, April of last year. I wrote this April of last year. Um, so I'm going to be referencing this. If you want to read it on my blog, it's alexheights.tumblr.com. So... I hold a somewhat controversial, relative to my immediate family and friends at least, position on the infamous war being waged between Christian fundamentalists and atheist cosmologists on how long the universe has been here. Now I'm going to say this right out of the gate up front. I don't have an issue with seeing the universe as being 13.7 billion years old. Now, before all of my Christian friends begin to panic, think that I'm a heretic, disgracing the Bible, blaspheming, etc., etc., please allow me to expound on these topics for a time, because there is a lot to unpack here, and we're only going to be scratching the surface. So, for many Christians, when they hear, in quotes, billions of years ago, or even just the word evolution, their heart rate begins to increase and their brain goes into a defensive mode. Now let's ask, why is that? Well, there's an obvious reason that I think we can all agree agree is correct. We hear these facts being thrown at us by secular scientists as a way to rationally battle our outdated, archaic, and unscientific belief system, i.e. Christianity. But what if these facts aren't actually the effective battling tools that the secular crowd believes them to be. If that's the case, our heart rate doesn't need to go up. Let's see if that is in fact the case. So let's hop back for a brief moment here. During the early stages of the 17th century, the head of the Church of Ireland was a fellow named James Usher. One of his most influential contributions to Christianity was the Usher Chronology, which is formulated by a literal reading of the Old Testament and dated the first day of creation as October 23rd, 4004 BC, or BCE, if you want to get technical. Anyway, this date, which was affirmed in the 1611 King James Bible, was one of a handful that became commonplace in Christian belief, some dating creation as close to 3616 BC and others going as far back as 6984 BC. Uh, There were even some fringe thinkers in the 18th and 20th century that went as far back as 11,000 and 20,000 BC, citing possible genealogy gaps in Genesis 5 and 11. However, most of the accepted chronologies seem to be around the 3900 to 4000 BC range. This view of a thousands-year-old earth was held by the Protestant reformers and even William Shakespeare. It was the common belief from around 1500 to 1800 AD. 
Fast forward to today. Secular scientists see all, or at least most, Christians as holding the, to these literal chronologies that put the age of the earth at six to 7,000 years old. These scientists have discovered some information that puts these chronologies in jeopardy. Thus, it becomes an easy way, in their eyes, to nullify our entire belief system. We're the fools who don't believe in the truths of empirical science. Oh, no. And now our fists clench when we hear someone refer to the universe as 13.7 billion years old, because we take it as an attack on our faith. Now the question comes, can the universe be 13.7 billion years old and the Bible's account of creation in Genesis 1 to 2 also be true without sacrificing solid exegesis, which is critical explanation or interpretation of a text of the scripture. Many contemporary and well-seasoned theologians <clears throat> are proclaiming a resounding yes. In fact, it's becoming increasingly commonplace in theological academia, but I want to make something perfectly clear before moving on. My goal isn't to convince anyone of the real age of the universe, regardless of whether it's 6,500 or 13.7 billion years old. My goal is to make a case that people might be putting too much weight on Genesis 1 and 2 by allowing only a literal interpretation of it. If the option for some latitude in dissecting the text is even just merely possible, then that wiggle room is enough to dispel people from using the 13.7 billion years as a weapon against us. So, let's see if that wiggle room exists within good exegesis. Here we go. Let's start with the Hebrew word for day. By the way, Old Testament written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for day is yom. Now, if you go, if you're on my uh, blog post here, you can click on the word and see it's a Wikipedia link, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I say, if you click on the word above, you'll see that yom has a multitude of meanings. It can mean period of light, general term for time, point of time, sunrise to sunset, sunset to next sunset, a year, uh, in the plural, First uh, Samuel twenty-seven seven, Exodus thirteen ten are examples. Time period of unspecified length, a long but finite span of time, age, epoch, season. Hebrew held a limited vocabulary, so words would often be fairly versatile in their usage, and context was a big important part of discerning that usage. So, are you seeing the issue here? The meaning of the word yom isn't exclusively a 24-hour period. Now, could the 24-hour definition be what's intended in the scripture here? Maybe. But there are some other points to be made too. The one that stands out to most to me is about the seventh day. That's the day that God rested, right? Well, the seventh day hasn't ended yet, according to Hebrews 4, 3 through 5. This, at the very least, shows that Yom is at least used at least once here in this undefined period of time sense. However, 
The most common counter-argument for this super long day of rest argument comes from Exodus 20, 9 through 11, and it reads as thus. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Pretty straightforward, right? Well, maybe not. There's a couple things to consider. First, you still have yom being used here, and you can't really nail down specific usages on specific instances where the word is used 10 times out of 10. Second, there's no way of knowing if the author of Exodus is merely using the pattern of six on, one off that occurred during the creation narrative and is simply applying it in a way that's immediate and applicable to humans to 24 hour days of the week. Because obviously we're not going to be able to work for six periods of time that it took for, if, you know, it's not literal 24 hour days, we're obviously not going to be able to work for six ages, six periods of time that could be billions of years, millions of years, and then rest for, you know, thousands, millions, whatever it might be. Obviously that's not the case. Uh, so we, we go by this day usage, um, if that were the truth. Uh, so it's not as airtight of a counter argument as it might appear on the surface, but other problems arise too. For instance, the third day. Here we have God commanding the earth to bring forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees. Notice he doesn't say, let there be vegetation, like he did when he created light, ex nihilo, before. He commands the earth to bring it forth. Now, can the earth be populated with fully grown plants in 24 hours? You might say God just sped it up, but that's an ad hoc assumption, reading between the lines to assume that your narrative is correct, which it could be. But saying he sped it up is something that can't be proven and so doesn't fully dispel the fact that the third day should have needed more time than 24 hours. How about the sixth day, when Adam names every animal? Is that something that can happen in a mere 24 hours? Adam is bound by time. Keep in mind that this is also the same period of time where Adam and Eve themselves are created. All of this to say, Genesis is too loose a book to pin down 100% in this fashion. This creation narrative in chapter one comes from the priestly source, which historians date to around 571 to 486 BC. Um, Moses is thought to have been born from 1391 to 1592, so he's not commonly considered the author to biblical scholars these days, but whatever. Um, the earliest dated scriptures we have date back to around 745 BC. So Genesis is certainly among the oldest documented books in the Bible. And given that we may not even know who the author is, I don't want to freight it with too much strict interpretation weight. I want to move on, even though the uh, dissection of Genesis was very quick and shoddy in places. Um, there's other links you can go to and resources to kind of see the, uh, Genesis kind of torn 
not torn apart, but kind of dived into and uh, dissected and expounded upon uh, better than that. So um, you might ask, why do scientists believe the Earth is 13.7 billion years old? And I was kind of astonished to realize the answer is pretty simple, actually. The speed of light and the visible stars. That's it. So scientific jargon aside, the fact that we can see stars billions of light years away, rather than empty space billions of light years away, is how scientists come up with the 13.7 number. This is the largest dating mechanism that we have for the universe, or I should say the one that goes up the highest. Other, and in my opinion, more fallible dating methods exist, but the fact that the uppermost dating method is much purer than the other methods makes it tough to circumnavigate. The best counter argument one could posit is that the speed of light hasn't always been constant. Some say, well, God created artificial light already on its way to Earth to give the universe the appearance of being billions of years old, which that's one of the most ad hoc, contrived, and unnecessary claims that I've ever heard with no evidence to back it up, so I don't take it very seriously. But about the speed of light not remaining constant, it could be possible. Again, not something verified, so it's just something we don't know. My main point is that it's hard to make a case for a six to 10,000 year old earth without making a handful of assumptions. I personally lean towards an older earth more than a younger, but the great thing is, is that it doesn't matter. Not only to salvation, but when it comes to debating and conversing with the secular crowd. If the only thing preventing an atheist from becoming a Christian is that they struggle to believe in a young earth, then that's a hurdle we should gladly kick down for them because I think it's a hurdle that doesn't need to exist. So that was my blog post from last year in April. And um, I'm curious to know what you guys think about it. Um, this is becoming an ever more common thing where I, I know people will take sides and stances and there, there's been... Um, uh, there's a video of Ken Ham, who's like a really staunch young earth creationist, debating, uh, what's his name, Ross, Ken, uh, someone Ross, Hugh Ross, uh, who's a, a pretty wild old earth uh, Christian who has some pretty crazy ideas, a lot of which I think are a little weakly founded. But um, there is a video of those two guys with, uh, I think, like three or four other Christians kind of sitting uh, on some couches, and there's, it's like a long debate about it. And uh, it's really interesting to watch. I highly recommend watching that video if any of this interested you. Uh, but it, it's, it's nice to know that this doesn't need to be an issue. I think that's the key thing. It doesn't matter what side you fall on. It's that it's okay to fall on either side. Um, so let me know what you guys think. Um, I, ho I hope this was interesting to everybody, and I hope this uh, this has helped people. Uh, there's way more to look up on this. Uh, if you just go on YouTube, type up, type in Hugh Ross or uh, William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig does a great job uh, exegeting Genesis in his Defender series, so I strongly recommend that as well. So, uh, again, thank you everyone for listening, and I will see you all in the next episode. <laughs>